Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. This is Locked and Loaded with Rick Munn on TNT. Oh, man, I'm just listening to those clips of uh, Trump. And, you know, he's talking about nine months is a long time to get Biden out of the White House. We still have to wait. Can't we not just get him out now? Is this not going to be a long year or what? For politics, uh, Trump is going to be absolutely hogging the limelight uh, everywhere he goes uh, between now and the next American presidential election, as are UK politicians, as are South African politicians, as are Irish politicians, elections, 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 everywhere. And where are you going to hear about them? Where are you going to get the D-Lo on them? Where are you going to get the word in the street? Why here, of course, on TNT? today's news talk. I'm quite looking forward to this year covering these mad elections uh, for entertainment value, if nothing else, and of course, to bring you the truth about what's actually happening out there. That's what we're all about here on TNT. If you haven't already done so, check out our website, tntradio.live. It's a hub. It's a hub for everything, really. Uh, you can go on there and see what's happening. Uh, you can check out our What's On section, and you can advertise any events that are happening in your area, maybe that you're hosting or that you know about, helping people to connect uh, in local areas. That's one of the things that we offer, one of the services we offer on the website. Of course, you can get yourself some tasty TNT merch on there. You can see what the scheduling's like. You can send messages to everybody pretty much through our website. And of course, uh, there's a little donate button on on there too if you feel like helping the war effort out uh, which of course you're free to do so or not as the case may be uh, you can use that little button to do that you can do everything on there listen back to old episodes everything is available to do on the website and of course you can download the app from the google play store or the app store also onto your listening device of choice so there's a lot happening at the minute uh an awful lot happening in the world at the minute let's see what i've got highlighted here this morning uh yeah it now takes uh first time buyers approximately 15 years to save enough money for a deposit on a house in Ireland, says money expert Ewan McGee, reporting in the Irish Independent here this morning. 15 years to save up for a deposit. And here's the bad news. Uh, by the time you save up for your deposit in 15 years' time, the house prices have probably gone up or possibly actually they'll have crashed which is my opinion, actually, uh, you might actually have enough money to either buy the house outright with that deposit or you won't have a mission of getting on the ladder because there won't be any houses left to buy. It's crazy out there. There's a real squeeze going on in the rental market in Ireland in particular at the minute. There's just no houses available to rent. Uh, people are still uh, going back to live at home with parents or they're, they're resorting to caravan living, which they're doing in Australia as well. Uh, there's a story that I had to talk about that too. Listen, Things are crazy out there. And if you have a roof over your head and you've got a little bit of security in your home, I think it's something that we should be uh, very grateful for. It's something that many, many people take for granted at the minute. So if you have your own place today, if you're fortunate enough to do that, just take a moment and be grateful for it because there's a lot of people out there feeling the squeeze at the minute. And uh, that's not a position that you want to find yourself in. So we're going to take a brief pause, actually, and maybe have a little discussion in this month with Gemma, as well as the shenanigans that's going on uh, with Rishi Sunak again this morning, too. He's never far from the news, so don't go away. Stay tuned for more here on TNT. Connecting the dots, painting the bigger picture. They always have great conversations. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 
Gemma, without going into the story that I, I was going to talk about it with Natalie in the last hour, but we had we had callers. Uh, we didn't get into all the stories here. This is a, a thing from Australia, uh, New South Wales, caravan living, 13 interest rate raises, people now living in caravans on their own properties. They can't afford to run a house. The government's trying to abandon this. Uh, we've heard about things like trailer park living in America for very people that are very impoverished and it's really a last resort to keeping a roof over your head. It seems to be uh, there's more and more of these uh, solutions appearing uh, because, you know, you're never, what is it, more than two or three paychecks away from being homeless, they say in the UK. So I think people need to take note. Well, I mean, there's a whole thing in the UK now called van life. Um, people that have uh, been priced out of the property market or, or typically mid middle-aged people who have got divorced and found that the proceeds of a sale of one house isn't enough for, for either the, the, the mum or the dad to then or the, the partners rather to go off uh, and, and buy properties of their own because it just doesn't match the income. In fact, there's a really good program here in the UK. You probably know about it. It's Ben Fogel's New Lives in the Wild. And it's been going for decades now and it's actually the only television program that I will make an appointment to watch. Watch. It's all about people that have ditched the rat race, gone off grid a lot of the time or bought some land and built their own properties and made a life for themselves away from outside society. But one of the things that they did on the current series, which has just come to an end, is they did a whole focus on the amount of people in the UK that are now living in vans in mobile homes. They haven't escaped the rat race. They're still working. Um, they use, ostensibly, I think, use post office addresses for, for salaries and wages and things like that, PO boxes. But they're living in vans. And how difficult that is to do in the UK. It's a small country. People don't like uh, vans being parked up. But that's the only option people have got. I think it is the kind of equivalent of trailer park living. But it's a nomadic lifestyle. You can't put roots mm -hmm. down anywhere because some busybody will come along and go, you can't park there. Move your van. Mm -hmm. What are you bloody doing? You're a traveler. You a gypsy? No, I've got a job in a factory, but I can't afford to buy a house, you know? Yeah. And that is where we are. It's lockstep all around the world. And we were talking about universal basic income, weren't we, in the last hour, Yumi and Natalie. I think this is paving the way. Can't afford a house? Yeah. Don't worry about it. We'll give you one. UBI, just do what you're told. Oh, do what you're told. Do what told. you're told. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Be a good little uh, matrix dweller. Uh, and here's the thing, too. Uh, this whole conception of uh, homelessness, uh, the bubble's being burst here too, because, you know, if you use the word association game and you said homeless, you, you, maybe people will picture someone sitting on the street, uh, you know, with a, a cup out and, you know, uh, drinking, getting drunk and, you know, being belligerent to people. That's not the picture of homelessness. That's just a stereotype of homelessness. Very, very many people, Gemma, as you rightly pointed out, that are homeless, properly homeless these days are actually working. They actually have jobs. They're trying to make ends meet. They're trying to get back on their feet after catastrophic events in their lives. They're not bums and they're not uh, drunkards and alcoholics and uh, violent uh, people with mental health issues. Very, very many people are actually still working to try and support themselves, but unfortunately they can't uh, find anywhere to put their roots down. Well, they can't afford to. They can find mm -hmm. the property, but they can't afford it. I mean, if you take a kind of look over the many property websites we have here in the UK, there are properties for sale. But, you know, to afford one, you need the bank of mum and dad who maybe put their own house up as a guarantor uh, so that if you default on the mortgage, the, the bank will get their house as well as the house you've bought and can't afford. I mean, it's, it's a scam. The market does seem something of a scam. Um, and you're quite right. People have jobs. You know, they just cannot 
afford it. People in, a, in a now cannot afford it because wages don't match these extortionate prices. When everyone talks about, you know, housing quotas as well, every single local authority in the country, and I wouldn't wager Northern Ireland as well, has got targets for building more housing, building more housing. You drive past them and you think, how much of that is really affordable to the person on the average wage in the UK, which is, I think, £28,000? Well, if mortgage companies are only still lending three and a half to four, that's not a great deal of money, is it? It's a hundred, hundred no. and something grand. That's not going to buy you no. anything, literally. No. It'll buy you a van, though. Well, you can't get more van. vans. You get you a van. A van or a boat. Uh, I know I know a few people who have uh, fallen in hard times and they're now living in boats, Gemma. They buy a boat, a small secondhand boat. Single people, uh, they, they moor it up in a marina. It could cost, you know, 100, 200 quid a month to moor that thing up in a marina. And then they have shower facilities, toilet facilities in the marina itself, as part of the uh, rental agreement or mooring agreement, whatever whatever the actual definition is. So that's another option, actually. I know at least three people who are living on boats at the minute because they can't get a house or they can't have even a car uh, to keep at the side of the road. So they're using marinas as a temporary accommodation. I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? You can say, I mean, is there something to be said for boat life, for van life? Yes, it's a little bit more precarious. Yes, it's nomadic. Yes, you know, you're you're on a river instead of on in bricks and mortar. But are you free? Are you free of all that stress and pressure of the mortgage, the death pledge, as the French call it, mm-hmm. the constant worrying and stressing, and then and then realizing when you get to your deathbed, you spent the bulk of it worrying and stressing about interest payments, about the price of your property, the value of your property. Can you afford your property? Do you want to leave your property to your children? Is that really the sum total of human potential in the Western world? Property and worrying about the property ladder and climbing up it and then falling off it and then climbing up it again that i must say when i did watch the program about van life which is a huge thing in the uk especially in the west country it's massive i see van life all the time it's springing up around you know um, railway tracks and things huge huge and they've been there for years now communities of people living in vans you know you sort of think well you know they're free they're free do they do they not worry as much about things as, as other people do about money or is it just a harder life all around but there is something quietly seductive about sticking two fingers up at the system i'm not saying it's easy but i've thought about it myself many many times you know could this be a better way of spending a life certainly the people featured on that tv program they were having adventures and i think once you get caught up in worrying about your property mm. you, you you forget what an adventure is the adventure of life you know the mystery of life money you kicks know- it out of you <laughs> No, here's the thing. I agree. It sounds fun. The way you've just uh, painted that picture there makes you want to run off and live in a van right now. But let me tell you this, the romanticism for that, the bubble for that would burst pretty quickly for me uh, if I didn't have a toilet to go to in the middle of the night or a place to get short. So yeah, it is uh, very alluring for many people. And there I say this, it, it's easier to do it. Let's just say maybe if you don't have any family commitments, if you don't have to worry about kids, bringing kids up or, you know, your wife or your husband or whatever that or your partner whatever that happens to be uh, it's maybe a little bit easier and funnily enough the guys that i know who are doing this at the minute are single guys they're happy enough at the minute but i would dare say if you were to bring a couple of stick a couple of kids and a and a wife or a husband onto that boat uh, along with them it wouldn't be plain sailing as they say that there would be some uh, turbulencies going on there but uh, i digress a little bit we've got a story here about uh, old rishi sunak uh, lee anderson's comments sparking is Islamophobia, right? The PM's condemning it. What's going on with Rishi today? 
Well, in the last couple of hours, yeah, the the PM or Fishy Rishi, he has come out and he's commented finally after days of silence against Lee Anderson's uh, very controversial comments uh, just before the weekend about Sadiq Khan and, you know, Mr. Anderson, who was a former deputy chair of the Conservative Party before resigning over the Rwanda bill. He's now in further hot water because he said Islamists have taken over London. They've taken over Sadiq Khan and they've allowed Sadiq Khan to give give away our capital. His words, not mine. Give away our capital to his mates. Now, that sparked a huge row over the weekend. I'm sure you saw all the headlines, mm. accusations of racism, anti-Muslim Muslim, Muslim, and uh, Islamophobia in the Tory party. Uh, Rishi Sunak remained silent on the issue. He just said over the weekend that anti-Semitism was running high and prejudice was running high, but he didn't mention uh, any anti-Muslim feeling and he's been widely condemned for that. Um, so this morning, uh, just after eight o'clock, he, he came out at a, at a cabinet meeting up in the north of England and he said, no, uh, Mr. Anderson's comments, the Anderson's comments were not were, were wrong, they're not acceptable. And that's why he was suspended over the weekend and had the wit removed, which means he now effectively is not in the Tory party. Um, he just says, Richie Sunak said, words matter in the current global environment, tensions are running very high and it's incumbent on all of us to choose our words very carefully of course a lot of people are coming out and saying well why didn't you say this at the time why have you waited nearly two days to to, to comment on this and some people this morning have also said here in the uk you know that lee anderson represents the mood of the people other people Mm -hmm. are saying no absolutely not he does not represent britain we're much more tolerant than that and other commentators are saying and other politicians i'm sorry some senior tory mps are saying no 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 we've seen whatsapp messages in private groups which say no he he has hit the kind of public mood on this Mm -hmm. um i don't know the truth of that one side says this one side says that there are also calls today uh to suspend liz trust from the Conservative Party, even though she's not PM anymore, she's still in the party because of her appearances in America over the last few days and comments she has made, which some people are calling conspiracy theories uh, and saying she's trying to pander to the far right. She's stoking hatred and she should have the whip removed too. So, uh, yes, that's what's happening this morning with Rishi Sunak. Um, it depends. To, it remains to be seen how well these comments are received now, as opposed to sort of Saturday when everyone was looking to him to to um, make these the, the, this apology effectively. Um, Lee Anderson himself has still not apologised for his comments. He, he has not said anything really. He's been on social media saying thanks for all the support. Many people are saying that's why he was suspended, not because of the comments he made about Sadiq Khan and Khan and Islamists but because he didn't apologise for them. And that left the Tory party no choice but to say, look, we've got to suspend you. A lot of people are saying the door's still open for him to return. Whether that remains to be seen, we shall see. I don't think he'll they'll be allowed back in, uh, especially after his, you know, his uh, sticking his fingers up to the Tories by saying, "I'm not, I'm not apologising for this. Uh, I'm, I'm staying with my views." And you make a good point as well. Uh, I don't think he obviously represents the views of all of Great Britain. Not that you said that, but that's what the Tories are maybe trying to uh, implicate him on. But certainly, Gemma. He's saying out loud what a lot of people are currently thinking at the minute. And if the truth was to be told, if those Tories could actually uh, man or woman up and actually tell the truth, I'm sure deep down inside, a lot of them might just be agreeing with Lee Anderson here. But of course, for fear of their retribution and for fear of uh, political correctness and fallout and to be perceived to be this, that or the other, they're keeping their mouths shut about it. So whether you agree with them or not uh, is neither here nor there. The bottom line is the guy has said what he said, and I think it has caught on with a lot of people. And the worst thing you can do if you're genuinely uh, believing in what you're saying, whatever that belief is, 
The last thing you want to do is back down from it and bow the knee and apologize and start groveling because rather than it appeasing your enemies or the people that you've offended, it makes them rabbit. It makes them go off even harder because they're like sharks. They can smell that little drop of blood in the water or a dog can smell fear. They'll go off even harder. So the worst thing I think Anderson could do at the minute is if he genuinely believes in what he's just said, I think he should stick to his guns. But hey, you know what I know. Well, it's interesting. There are several commentators that have said uh, the door is still open for him to return, mm. which, you know, and you don't say those kind of things unless you've got a nod that, mm. you know, maybe the Conservative Party are waiting for the Ferrari to die down. Then they'll let him have the whip back, which means he's allowed to come back into the fold. And he's allowed to vote mm. on Conservative Party issues, government issues. Um, so, it, yeah, has he do they secretly know that this is reflective of a, a percentage that's large enough to possibly swing the, the election. I um, mean, obviously, there's the Muslim uh, electorate to consider too. It's nearly seven percent of the population now, according to the last census in the UK, is Muslim um, and, and has the holds the Muslim faith. So you know there is that to consider as well. But there's two sources that have said there's a possibility that he could return within within you know a few weeks or months. Um, so maybe they are more aware than than we think. You know what you alluded to, Rick, of capturing the public mood, not backing down because he genuinely believes it, and he's maybe got facts and figures to back that up who knows mm. who knows i'm sure uh we haven't seen or heard the last of lee anderson whether or not he remains in the tory party or not or rishi sunak for that matter so big thanks to you jim for bringing that story to us this morning we've got to take a brief pause now and then derek blight will be on from uh, cork in uh, ireland and he is the president of the ireland first party so please stay tuned i'm going to be talking with him in just a minute here on tnt today's news talk TNT's Abby Roberts. Climate change is having a disproportionate effect on the physical and mental health of black communities. Black Americans are more likely than white Americans to live in areas and housing that increase their susceptibility to climate-related health issues. Dr. Rachel Levine, now you may have, may have noticed something about Rachel. Uh, Rachel is in fact a bloke. That is a bloke uh, in, in a suit talking about um, how black people are adversely affected by climate. What a load of absolute nonsense. Did you see in the background as well that weird geometric shapes that are kind of all over? There's a weird blob. And uh, she's that's the human... Uh, it's called... I think it's Human Health Services. It's hhs.gov. Honestly, it is beyond scary, this stuff. It's like Marxism on steroids. Abby Roberts on TNT. I'm Naheem Hines, professional football player and proud supporter of the Muscular Dystrophy Association. My mom was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy when I was 14, and I watched her struggle. But MDA helped her get the best treatments and care, and they also help kids like my buddy Ethan. My name is Ethan, and I'm 12 years old. Thanks to the Muscular Dystrophy Association and people like you, I have more hope than ever before. From day one, they've treated me like family at my local care center. AMDA is the only one that funds over 150 care centers across the U.S. to help provide state-of-the-art care for adults and kids like me. For over 70 years, MDA has been transforming the lives of people living with muscular dystrophy, ALS, and other related neuromuscular diseases. They fund the research for breakthrough treatments, care, and cures. And MDA provides support to thousands of families like mine and Ethan's in communities like yours. Thanks to MDA, kids and adults can live life to its fullest. 
Join us and learn more at mda.org today. It's time to switch on today's News Talk Radio. Very entertaining. TNT. Just want to give you a little background about my next guest who's about to uh, grace us with his presence this morning for the very, very first time here on TNT Unlocked and Loaded, the one and only Derek Bly. Derek is a native of County Cork in Ireland. He's also president of the Ireland First uh, centre-right nationalist party in Ireland. Just a little bit of background about them. Uh, they're dedicated to building a better future, uh, championing policies that uplift our communities, policies that put the interests of Ireland and our people first, and fostering a political landscape defined by justice and self-governance. And you can find out more about them on their website, which is ireland-first.ie. Welcome uh, to the show this morning. Derek, how are you doing? Hey, Rick, I'm good. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing very, very well. Always nice to get uh, an Irishman on here talking about what he's passionate about, which in this case uh, is Ireland, something that I'm very much trying to shine a light on at the minute. When I look around me and I see the destruction and the devastation that's happening on the Emerald Isle at the minute, it makes me sick, both north, south, east and west. It seems to be there's no getting away from it, uh, Derek. Uh, is that the, the, the impetus behind setting up the Ireland First Party to make a, diff a genuine difference? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Ireland First Party was set up in, uh, it was early 2023, Rick, because what's been happening in this country over the last few years, you know, it's been happening largely over the last few decades, but they've really ramped it up um, since after COVID. The numbers of people coming into the country are absolutely astronomical. Mm -hmm. So um, last year alone, 140,000 refugees and, and um, asylum seekers came into the country, right? Now, that's on top of right, the numbers right, of work permits and um, normal immigration, should we say, right? Mm -hmm. So for a country with a population of just over 5 million, for 140,000 people to come in just as refugees has, has changed just about every town, village and city in this country and everybody is noticing it. And that's why right, we started the party, because um, not only have we taken in huge numbers of people, but in mm -hmm. Ireland at the moment, there's also a massive housing crisis, right? Before they brought in 100,000 Ukrainians, we had almost 10,000 um, homeless Irish right here in the country. Right. And then the government started talking about, you know, taking, you know, five, six hundred thousand Ukrainian refugees. You can't get a doctor in this country. You can't get a dentist. You cannot get into hospital. You cannot get your children into school. Yes, the Irish government have have deemed it OK to bring in hundreds of thousands of people from all over the world, not coming from war zones. I have, I have to be right. I have to specify mm -hmm. that, um, right, and put them up in housing, right, that Irish people want. They're giving them medical cards, right? They're putting mm -hmm. them first on the list uh, for school places. Um, there's no end right, to the benefits, right, mm -hmm. that the Republic of Ireland um, is giving to refugees to and asylum seekers. And, and you know, people have just had enough. 
The thing is, too, Derek, this 140,000 that you're talking about, this isn't just a one-off from last year. This is coming in year after year after year, and the numbers are going up and up and up, and the government is showing no signs of uh, closing the borders. They're saying, no, it's an open Ireland. It's an Ireland for all. But the figures that you've just outlined there, it's not sustainable. Uh, many people don't realize that the population of Ireland is actually pretty small. So when you're dumping hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people into an already small, stretched population, the infrastructure... You know, the the, the health service is in, is in a mess. You can't get a dentist. You can't get the kids into school in certain places. You know, you, you can't do the, the, the shortage of jobs and the amount of Irish homeless people. The government aren't looking after their own people, first and foremost. They're effectively opening the door out and rolling out the red carpet and bringing people in from God knows where, many of which are undocumented and the majority of which also happen to be male, from what I can see, which raises a lot of questions as well. We've got to take a really quick uh, news break here just for 30 seconds. When we come back at the other end, I want to look at this demographic because there's one thing that uh, certainly has everybody scratching their heads is where's the women and where's the kids? There are some, of course, but the predominantly uh, amount of people that we're seeing coming into the country now seems to be single men, which certainly should cause concern for anybody uh, with regards to, you know, what are they going to do and why are they here? So we'll look at that whenever we come back uh, in a few seconds time. Don't go away. This is TNT Today's News. What a news day this is turning out to be. Wait, 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 wait till you hear this. Now, TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. NATO continues to fan the flames of war in Europe, declaring Ukraine will become a part of the Western military alliance, whether Russia likes it or not. It is not a question of if, but of when. Washington has condemned Israel's plans to build new settlements in the occupied West Bank. And an American soldier has set himself on fire outside the Israeli embassy in the US capital in protest of Washington's support for Tel Aviv's war in Gaza. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. Okay, I'm very happy to be talking live this morning with Derek Bly uh, from uh, Ireland First Party in uh, Ireland. So, Derek, here's the thing. Uh, it's often been said that men that are going to war leave their wife and kids behind. Men that are fleeing from war bring their wife and kids with them. Ireland is being saturated at the minute with predominantly, from what I can see anyway, men that are piling into this country. You've got to ask yourself the question, where's their wives? Where's their mothers? Where's their fathers? Where's their sons, their daughters, their brothers and their sisters? How come they're flooding in here solo? And where are they going when they get here? They're now starting to build, uh, how would you say, processing centers for them, one of which in particular is causing a lot of alarm. And NACE uh, seems to be a capacity for up to a thousand men in there. What the hell's going on in NACE? Yeah, it's it's uh, very concerning, as you said, Rick. Um, the Irish government have been housing these people typically in hotels, schools, religious buildings up to now. But we've gotten to a point now where there's absolutely no rooms left in the country. Hotels, B&Bs, guest houses right, um, are all full. Right, Tourism has absolutely pooped the bed. But mm. what 
right? We're seeing now in Nace, right? So Nace is in County Kildare, just outside, right, of Dublin. Um, they've started building a camp right there, Rick, right? Mm-hmm. And there's um, about 300 units, right, in this camp, and each unit is supposed to hold up to three men. Now, we know right, this probably won't be for families, right, because of the way it's set up. You know, picture a, a little, right, a modular unit that can hold about, right, about three people. It's not suitable mm-hmm. for families because, you know, you got your mum, you got your dad, right, and mm-hmm. then you got one kid, you know, I wouldn't. So right, we're guessing it's going to be men, right, that will be put in there. So, so right, 900 men being housed, right, in what looks like a military-style camp is really concerning locals, right, in this. The protests have, have started in there, right, security guards are working on the compound, but the security guards are wearing masks and balaclavas. Um, you know, if there's nothing seedy going on, why are these people hiding their identity, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, well, people did start see, the protest. Yeah, as I was going to say, people have started the protest there, and we're going to have to see how it goes. But the government, they have been speaking about changing the model lately, so they know that the hotel model, right, doesn't work anymore. Right, it's all full. So they're speaking about building large scale accommodation right for migrants and refugees and we fear right that this could be right the model going forward you don't need empty buildings all you need right is a field and as many of your viewers will already know there's lots of fields in ireland right yep if the government decide that filling fields with modular containers right and filling them with men right from the third world if that's the model that they want to go with, then Ireland is in serious trouble at the moment. It is. It is. And here's the thing. Uh, I think the same way as you do. And sometimes uh, we're labelled as far right. We're labelled as racists. We're labelled as extremists. Let me put a let me put a scenario to you right now. All right. I live up in the north. I live up in the county down. Now, let's say the place that I live in, there's a field behind me right now. Let's say 500 men from Cork from Cork or Kildare, Irishmen were put into a field behind me. I would be asking the same questions. Who are these men? Where are their families? Why are they living behind me? What are they going to do? They're milling around outside the schools. They're milling around in public places. I feel a little bit intimidated about it. It's actually got nothing to do with race. We're just asking normal questions that anybody with a right mind would be asking to say, when you plant 500 men or 1,000 men in an area and you don't know who those, those men are, it doesn't matter if they're Irish men or they're English men or they're Ukrainian men. The question is, why are they there? Who's paying for it? And why are they not being, why are they being allowed to come into the country in the first place? Is that not a fair point? It's got nothing to do with race. It's got to do with personal safety and asking legitimate questions. Well, absolutely, yeah. The, right, the mainstream media, the government have played a big part in this over the decades. They've, they've used, you know, racially motivated language. They've, um, they've convinced the population that anyone who has a problem with any level of immigration whatsoever right, must be a racist. 
the beauty about what's happening at the right, in Ireland at the moment is though that right, the people that are coming out to this protest right are you are largely women and children and elderly but that hasn't stopped the Irish government from calling them racists Nazis far right and you know the people in the middle right who've been on the fence for years are looking at this and saying hang on a minute you know this is a mother just like i am this is a grandmother just like i am a grandfather just like i am how can these people be racist it's 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 very it's very very sinister what they've done but the the flip side to it is right that ireland is waking up very very quickly mm-hmm. um you know we have got elections upcoming Right, we've got local and EU elections in June. We're hoping for a good result. Um, the problem is, though, that the Irish government has given migrants right the right to vote right in Ireland, right, right, but just for local elections, right. So when you come into Ireland on a Tuesday, if the election is next day, you can vote in the local election in Ireland. It's absolutely. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, but, you know, we're, we're hoping for a good result. We've got another referendum coming up next week. Um, mm-hmm. right, the government are trying to change right, the definition of family, of mother, right, of woman. They want to remove the word woman and mother right, from the Constitution. And they want to replace the, the word family Right, with the term durable relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. Now they said, right, that you could be in a durable relationship with anybody, right, that sent you a Christmas card, right, over your lifetime. Right. So experts agree that what they're probably trying to do is they're trying, right, to rig up the family um reunification mm-hmm. vote. Okay. So right, if you think about it, um, if right, the 100,000 people, 140,000 people came into the country last year, but if, if 100,000 of those people, right, if they decide right, that they want to bring their family over, if this um, referendum right, is passed, then each person could bring up to 20 people right, from their extended family, from whatever country they're coming from, right, here to Ireland. You know, mm-hmm. So the problem is bad now, but it could get much, much worse, right, in the future. So, you know, this isn't a time for complacency. This is a time for all hands on deck. And I would urge, right, yes, any Irish viewers, right, from around the world, get in contact with your, your friends, your family, right, over here, and start educating them. If they're not already educated, speak to them about what's going on and tell them the dangers that Ireland's in, right, and tell them, you know, now's the time to get off the fence. It has to happen this year, uh, Derek, because, you know, we're at a make or break position. I do believe genuinely that the the political leaders in Ireland are actually trying to destroy Ireland right now. I believe they're trying to break Ireland. I believe they're trying to disable it. I believe they're trying to destroy it and grind it into powder. And you know what? For the people that are sitting listening, thinking, well, that doesn't affect me because I live in, you know, some outer part of Galway or I live in uh, Awfully or it's not in my area at the minute. If it's not in your area now... It will be in your area at some point in the future. And by that stage, it's too late uh, because when the rot sets in, uh, it's very, very difficult uh, to get rid of it again, both politically and societally. Uh, Derek, 
I really want to thank you for coming on this morning and just squeezing as much as we could into the short time that we had here together just to direct people your way again. Uh, Derek Bly, President of Ireland's First Party. And please check out the website. It's ireland-first.ie. Go on there, see what those guys are about, show them some support, get behind them uh, in these upcoming elections. And Derek, uh, if it's not uh, too much bother, we'll stay in touch. Uh, and maybe get updates from you uh, from your neck of the woods uh, as this uh, nonsense continues to uh, go on in Ireland and we'll do our best to call it out. So big thanks to you uh, for coming on this morning and I hope you have a good day, okay? Absolutely, Rick. Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. That's Derek Bly. We've got to take a little uh, break right now and when we come back at the other end, I'm going to be talking to Sarah Plumley, beaming in from France. So please don't go away. Stay tuned for more here on TNT, Today's News Talk. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. There's an old Southern proverb here in the United States that the ones doing the accusing are usually the ones doing the doing. The bard put it a little more eloquently, methinks thou doth protest too much. But pretty much any time you see people smearing Donald Trump, for example, you can pretty much bet your bottom dollar that they're the ones that are guilty from everything of which they accuse him. Starting war, being a dictator on day one, all of the lies heaped upon Donald Trump, all the fear-mongering, all the panic they're trying to engender. We have to save democracy. How exactly? By destroying democracy? By being totalitarian? By breaching civil rights? No. I'm sticking with Granny on the front porch. Those doing the accusing are usually those doing the doing. For MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea. For today's News Talk, TNT. The thing that drives me every day as a dad is him. Every day he's hungry for something. And there's this huge responsibility in making sure that he's a good person. I think the advice I would give is you don't need to know all the answers. It's okay to make mistakes. As long as it's coming from love, then it kind of starts to work itself out. Rick Mon is locked and loaded on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Oh, what a start to the week. It's been explosive, is putting it mildly. Had a great session with Open Line. And then uh, Locked and Loaded's been pretty powerful so far, too. Just had a gentleman on from uh, Cork in Ireland, Derek Bly, president of the Ireland First Party, telling us basically in no uncertain terms, Sarah, that it's time uh, to get off the fence. It's time to stop uh, humming and hang about what's going on in the world. It's time to nail our colours to the mast. I think if we don't do something, if something doesn't give in 2024, I think we're in big trouble. What do you think, Sarah Plumley? Yeah, I think you're spot on. We're very close, aren't we? To what? I know not, but we feel that something is coming. There's lots of people talking about large events, particularly in the fake news media. They're talking about a black swan event, um, you know, just just seeding the idea of something bad might be coming along the lines. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you all the way on that. I think very probably something will happen, something orchestrated and something that hurts real people, ordinary people. Mm. I was saying to Derek there, this is my personal belief. Uh, call me crazy, call me what you like. But when I look at what I see in Ireland, and I'm just using Ireland as an example because that's where I live, 
nobody can convince me that the people that are supposed to be running the country, the so-called politicians and so-called elected representatives, are not doing their level best to destroy this country. So sadly, economically, spiritually, educationally, whatever way you want to look at it, nobody can convince me otherwise. And when I look at maybe where you are in France, when I look at the government under Macron, when I look at what's happening in the UK, when I look at what's happening in America, how can anybody in these current times look at their so-called leaders and say they're not trying to destroy us? I I'm having difficulty trying to process that. It's beyond me, and I'm supposed to be an outstanding teacher, and I still can't teach and explain these reasons. It is, it's mind control, brainwashing. It must be, because it can't be anything else. You use logic, reason, evidence, even numbers. We have people doubting that two plus two is four already, the great Orwellian lie. Mm -hmm. And it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. Terrifying, totally terrifying that these people will not listen to reason. I call them the puppeticians, the ones that are lying to us, because clearly, given it's all of them now, there must be something above them pulling the strings because they can't, they shouldn't all be bent, should they? And yet the way in which they behave is is absolutely scandalous. But it seems that we've, we've become immune to scandal, immune to being attacked. It's almost as though we're suffering from mass Stockholm syndrome or mm -hmm. something like that, mm -hmm. something approaching that, whereby people are still writing to their politicians. They're writing to, the, to their abusers, asking them to abuse them less harder. Hmm. <laughs> I, I see a flaw in this plan, don't you? I do. You know, I probably, well, certainly the last four years, when you started coming on TNT, we used to say uh, the last two years has been crazy. And then the last three years has been crazy. And now we're in the year four, Sarah. The last four years has been crazy. We read about things in textbooks. We read about Stockholm Syndrome. We, we knew about the Milgram experiment. We knew about Pavlov's dogs. I didn't realize that we were about to see it play out on a global stage and the light bulb going off. And for me, listen, I'm just talking freely here. To me, the greatest terror in all this is not these corrupt politicians. It's not the globalists. It's not the WEF. It's not the Rothschilds. It's not any of that. That's not the terror for me. The terror for me is when I look outside and see vast majorities of the population suffering from brainwashing. They're, they've been indoctrinated into this globalist cult, whether they know it or not. That's the terror for me that they got so many people and they got them good and they've still got them unless they're violently shaken, metaphorically speaking, of course, uh, out of their uh, psychological slumber. What do you think of that? Ignorance is the most dangerous thing. Ignorance is death. You, you cannot be ignorant and free. It's, it, that's something that never has been and never will be. We are suffering from a serious lack of academic rigor. And when I say academic rigor, it isn't just in academics. It's in everything. We lack rigor. Nobody's reading anymore, particularly our young people. They don't read books. Huh. <laughs> books have knowledge and information and useful ideas that can be explored in depth, in, in real detail, rather than, you know, 20 minutes on TV or 40 minutes online or even a two hour documentary. You can't get across complicated ideas and the uh, lived experience of millions and billions of people over time if you do not read. And that, that I'm the same as you. It, these these creatures that are running the joint, these evil, dark monsters, they don't frighten me at all. What frightens me is the general ignorance 
experience of the people living next door, down the road and down mm -hmm. the street, they terrify me because they would have happily locked us up for refusing to get in line and take the clock shot. They would have happily carted us off to Auschwitz. And I know you're not meant mm -hmm. to say that, but that's what they would have done. Mm -hmm. They hated the anti-vaxxers. Why? Mm -hmm. Because the television and the puppeticians told them so. That mm -hmm. is scary. I'm, I'm with you all the way on that one. Isn't that is the frightening thing. <laughs> And people, people are talking about, oh, well, when this happens, people will rise up. When this happens, people will rise up. Let's just cast our minds back. People were subjected to humiliation, mask-wearing rituals, distancing themselves two meters, washing their hands with unmarked chemicals, not meeting with their own friends and family, not mourning their own dead, not visiting their own dying in the hospital not keeping their jobs because they were given jabs, subjecting their children to all this as well. Sarah, I put it to you today, if they can get away with all of those things that I've just listed, and I believe that was an experiment in pushing boundaries, if they can get away with what they have got away with over the last four years, surely they can get away with anything. Absolutely. Absolutely, they can. You know, the greats talk about there's, the problem with fascism, for example, is there are never enough fascists. And the problem with communism is there's never enough communists. What they need is a large mass of sheeple who will go along with the crowd. And it's the sheeple, it's the ignorance of the sheeple that is dangerous. I've actually coined a new term, which is highly offensive. So young listeners might want to turn away for a moment. I call them sheeple tards because at this point we've gone beyond sheeple. Sheeple, sheeple were, were docile and at least they weren't dangerous to us. But the sheeple tards, they are actually dangerous. Yeah. And there are a lot of, of them. And we have to be really careful in this moment because they literally could pull anything off because the sheepletards will believe them. They will believe their tick-tard and their social media outlets such as Fakebook and Instamoan. They will just believe what the puppeticians say. And that is, is truly frightening. And that's something that we have to do something about. We can't just sit around and allow our neighbours to kill us or, or volunteer us to be killed or carted off. That's how it always starts. Why? And this, this Alexander Solzhenitsyn's work is being massively um, sort of repressed and suppressed. I didn't realize there was a book called 200 Years Together by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and it's not allowed to be translated, or at least it wasn't allowed to be translated into English because they didn't want the English-speaking world to be able to read the experiences of this guy who spent so much time at the hands of the communists in the Russian gulags. We desperately need to be studying this work. And you're never going to get that in education. They're never going to let your children learn what Alexander Solzhenitsyn experienced and his his great musings and, and, and thoughts on these topics that, that is critical for our survival. It's the guy next door and it's the guy down the road that's your problem. It's not the government. The yeah. government is the great Wizard of Oz. Yeah, the yeah. faker behind the curtain, pulling all the levers and doing all of the, the weird stuff and the smoke and the, the pyrotechnics, quite literally in many cases. And, but yeah, the danger the danger is so much closer than, than people either are aware of or are prepared to think about. Because if you think about it, that's way more scary, isn't it? It is. Uh, honestly and truly, I'm not being dramatic, but when I, when I meditate a lot, I walk around a lot, I get fresh air, I'm on my own, I'm listening to some chilled music, but I'm thinking about what's going on in the world. And genuinely, it's the ignorance. Uh, you coined it uh, beautifully there. Ignorance is death. Some people say ignorance is bliss. It's not. Ignorance is death, whether you know that or whether you don't know that. And here's the thing, too. 
you know, the narrative collapse as well is something, you know, they talk about the elephant in the room. And to me, the elephant has been getting fatter and fatter and the room has been getting smaller and smaller. But there has to come a point, even when people are ignoring the elephant in the room, where it actually presses you against that wall and you start to asphyxiate. Uh, there's simply no ignoring it anymore. I think that's another point that we're coming to at the minute. It's interesting uh, to see how uh, politicians are starting to acknowledge slight spikes in myocarditis and neural diseases and brain diseases and sudden death, slight spikes associated with the jab when, you know, it used to be safe and effective. It used to be 100% effective. Then it was 90% effective. And then it wasn't safe and effective. It was just safe and now it's not so safe anymore. Surely it's only a matter of time before it, you, you can't hold this dam back forever. This dam's going to crack. And when it cracks, it's going to crack big. And a lot of people are going to be affected. But I think they're starting to put the mechanisms in place now with a little bit of narrative control. Do you think breaking it to the people gently that they may have just been done dirty? I do, but I think they won't. I think there's a lot of people that have almost forgotten what happened. They don't remember somehow that they wore muzzles and were shouting at other people in the street to wear a muzzle. That the, the elephant banging in the, the saucepans, banging the yes. saucepans on a Thursday night at that's, 8 p.m. Sir, had to be 8 p.m. Everyone banging the saucepans in unison. I mean, that's come gone on, down the memory hole. That, that's gone straight down the memory hole, hasn't it? Uh, the, the saucepan banging. Oh, we've forgotten that one. Luckily, we have the screenshots of the muzzle tards, so they can't deny that. We, we, we still have that. But it's interesting that you say about the elephant kind of uh, suffocating one against the wall. Well, what, what is that if that's not the muzzle wearing? Mm -hmm. Your puppetitions made you prevent yourself from taking in enough oxygen. That's what they made you do. And some of you were doing it in the privacy of your own homes. If that's not the elephant suffocating you up against the wall, I don't know what is. I mean, what are these clowns waiting for? The T-Rex to rip off the roof and bite their head off. I mean, come on. Like, what What are you, what are we waiting for? And it, it concerns me because I don't, I'm not sure that the, the sheepletards are going to, or even in a position where they can fully comprehend what happened, even if the puppeticians do start drip feeding it now, as we have started to see in the, in the fake news media. Also, there was that terrifying uh, bill passed in the French Parliament uh, just last week, I think it was, whereby anybody who questions mRNA technologies, as they, as they call it, uh, can be thrown into jail for three years or given a 45,000 euro fine. So they're certainly preparing because those people who would help the sheepletards and explain what's really happening are going to be flung into jail here in uh, liberal Western democracy, Southwest France. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Some people might be wondering, who is this woman, by the way? And, you know, it's my fault. I hadn't even introduced you today. I just started talking to you, and we've just been banging on ever since. So just a little bit late. I'm a little bit late to the party with the introduction, but this is the wonderful Sarah Plumley. Uh, she is the head teacher of Gorilla Education, and this is linking into another point that I want to make, by the way. Uh, mathematics expert examiner, and this is her mission statement. If you haven't heard her before, this is what she's all about, to enable hardworking, freedom-loving, parents to educate their children from home and you can find all our information all our links on our substack page uh, sarahplumley.substack.com this falling away from uh reading for example let's just take reading as one thing never mind everything else reading names that people aren't even familiar with works that people don't even know exist is this part of the strategy, Sarah, with, I mean, I'll admit, I've fallen into this 
trap a little bit and I have to rein my... Is this part of the strategy, Sarah, with... I mean, I'll admit I've fallen into this trap a little bit and I have to rein myself back periodically, scrolling, uh, you know, substituting reading a printed book for an ebook, uh, talking to someone uh, on WhatsApp rather than going and meeting them in person, uh, challenging yourself to actually sit down and spend 30 minutes even a day reading an actual book about an actual subject, an actual life story of someone who's actually done something rather than some influencer uh, making a 15-second TikTok video have the adults, never mind the kids, because the kids are well and truly dumbed down, but it also applies to adults too. We're not provoking our own children to learn because we're too busy drooling and uh, scrolling ourselves. I'm talking generally yeah. speaking here. Is that not the problem that the adults are as bad as the as the kids? Yeah, we're doom scrolling, aren't we? We're doom scrolling rather than reading actual books. Mm -hmm. And this is a you don't need to burn books anymore. Everyone's vigilant for the book burners. But they don't need to burn books. People have turned away from them in, in droves. Yes. I, I would I I would be frightened to find out the percentage of people who don't just buy books, but actually still read them. You know, during the scandemic, when we could see all of these influences and the puppeticians being interviewed at home, did you notice how many, they all have bookshelves, but the spines are on the books are not broken? If you look really carefully, there are so many books that are unread. Those spines aren't broken in those paperbacks. So there's no way that anybody's ever read them. And it, this whole kind of scam that, oh, look at me, look at all the books I read that you have that I can see if I look closely, you haven't ever read. You haven't opened them because the spine is still intact. It's a, it's a, that is the critical problem. It doesn't matter what you read, but you must read. And if your children see you reading, they're going to mm -hmm. read too. Monkey see, monkey do. We are poor role models and we've, we've been conned and tricked by the allure, the temptation of technology to to you know drag ourselves from what we should be doing to something that's comfortable easy and nice and gives us dopamine hits no this isn't good enough we have to read if we're not reading how can we expect our children to and they are in so much more trouble than we are and we failed collectively not necessarily as individuals rick i know you did an awful lot during the scandemic as did i and there are others here on tnt who have also but we failed collectively we failed to put a stop to convid we didn't stop it we didn't protect the children they were forced to wear muzzles in the government indoctrination camps and you know, subjected to being yelled at and abused for not standing six feet apart when most children don't know what six feet is because they're metric now, remember? You know, these, these poor kids being yelled at, we failed to stop that. So if you imagine how weak we are collectively, look at the next generation coming along, what chance have they got against this evil system? Yeah. You know, and, and the key is reading. Really? We've got to go back to reading. We do. And you know what? I suppose, uh, you know, I, I told you before we came on, let's just talk and see what comes out. And this is the conversation that was had. I suppose that for me, what I'll take away from it is it's a timely reminder for me personally, for Rick Munn. I need to keep my guard up because it's easy to slip the old slippery slope. I don't think we fall into holes anymore, Sarah. I think we slide progressively down slippery slopes and then we turn around and we look back up and say, hey, I used to be up there and now I'm down here. It's not something that happens you know and overnight it's something that happens over a period of time and we need to keep our focus on real interactions reading real books playing an instrument learning something like chess to, to tax our brain to exercise our brains and as much as is possible interact in person with people rather than doing it uh, on the, the internet and uh, doom scrolling i think we could be the authors of our own demise never mind uh, the globalists i think we're our own worst enemies as well what do you reckon Oh, for sure. You know, if you could kick the person in the pants responsible for this mess, 
you wouldn't sit down for a month. Mm -hmm. I think I'm paraphrasing Teddy Roosevelt mm -hmm. there. You might have to check me on my 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 presidents. Mm -hmm. I'm not good at those. But we we are. It's it's our fault because we're not doing the work. We we've become lazy, complacent, arrogant. But the good news is, if you do start reading a book, say you read a book in the next uh, four to six weeks. You will immediately elevate yourself past an enormous majority of people in terms of how interesting you are to speak to and how smart you are and how you can use information to help other people. Because nobody is, I think it's fair to say that nobody is reading. So if you do, you're, you're going to very quickly elevate yourself way beyond where you thought possible just by reading. Make, a book. make, make the most of it, I think, is what Sarah's saying. The bar is set so low for humanity at the minute. It just reading a book could simply elevate you above the masses. Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again. It's been so long since we talked and hopefully uh, it won't be so long again. Check out Sarah's uh, work on sarahplumley.substack.com. And massive thanks to you for joining us today from France. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, I'm off now, I guess. I'm off. Off air, that is. I'm not off, 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 whatever that means. But I'll be back again tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. UK time. Don't go away. James Freeman's coming here on TNT. Today's News Talk. Yeah.